Hey everyone, we are back with the Crossover Across Time podcast. I am your host, Karsten. Uh, tonight we're running solo, uh, simply because we, as of right now, still do not have a co-host lined up for Tuesday nights. Uh, I have a couple people in mind that might work for that time slot. Uh, in the meantime, we still have Wyatt on Mondays, and I'm hoping we can get Justin back uh, for tomorrow's show. I know that he has had some uh, personal life situations that he's been having to uh, uh, work with the last uh, couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, totally that's first priority for me, you know, love to have him on the show, but it's it's more important for him to be able to get those things figured out. Of course, won't go into detail, but um yeah, we, we hope to get him back tomorrow. In the meantime, we're going to do a little bit of a informal kind of show. And I, I say that simply because uh, I didn't have a ton of time to watch through a lot of these games uh, from last night's slate. I did get, uh, I do have our news kind of lined up as far as the, the big stories from the last day or so. Um, we'll talk about our award chases, of course, where that stands at the current moment, uh, you know, preliminary returns on that i suppose um and i'll talk through what i can with the 10 games from monday night slate uh of course tonight tuesday there's only three games so we'll only have a few games to summarize tomorrow on tomorrow's show before we get into uh you know some of our prediction type things uh discussing the rumor mill playoff previews uh league storylines just having a little more kind of broad conversations about what's going on in the league at the current moment uh, but in the meantime, let's go ahead and jump right into it. And again, I say informal simply because we're going to just, I'll be learning a little bit about these games kind of as I'm talking you through them, uh, looking through box scores, game charts, you know, kind of seeing what happened. Uh, first game, so the Atlanta Hawks were on the road in Philly against the 76ers, Philadelphia. Uh, so Embiid returned to the lineup. Good for them. Uh, says, Embiid returns comes up clutch in win over Hawks. So they won that game 104 to 101 against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, looking at the game charts here, looks like Atlanta held a pretty substantial lead through a good chunk of this game. And then Philly, you know, really made it close in that fourth quarter and were able to eke out a victory. Uh, so good for them. You know, I, I'm not a 76ers fan, but, I think with, you know, they've been building the last several years and contending, you know, to an extent in those those past few years. And I think it's great to see them, you know, get them beat back and to, you know, be revitalized with that kind of hope of, you know, what this team can do this year, what they have the potential to do this year. Uh, so that's great for them. Looking at Atlanta's uh, box score, Capella solid rebounding game, 16 boards in this one. Uh, Trey Young dished out 10 assists. All the starters scored in double figures, but no one scored more than 18 in this game. Uh, so nice overall team effort, but maybe could use a little more star power from that, that backcourt there. Meanwhile, for Philly, uh, no points for P.J. Tucker. I saw a stat today that he has something like three points in the last – uh, three games or something like that, and his plus minus is off the charts. Uh, he did have a minus seven in this game, but you know he's just more more one of those glue guys that you kind of fit, fit into a lineup because of what he does when he's you know not scoring, which is most of the time, uh, or at least that's what his career has become the last you know three or four years it seems. Um, 
but you know, still plays a good role for Philly. Uh, Tobias Harris, double double, 24 points, 10 boards, uh, 21 points for Shake Milton, uh, in relief of kind of that maxi and Harden role, uh, at the guard. So it's Milton and Melton, uh, a little bit confusing there for, <laughs> for anyone, but that kind of guard, uh, tandem is running things for Philly the last couple of games, it seems. Meanwhile, Embiid, 30 points, 8 boards, 7 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, uh, just doing what he has to do to help make sure his team wins. Uh, Again, Harris, you know, solid support there, but uh, good win for Philly in that one. Next to a a higher scoring affair, uh, the Washington Wizards light up Wolves with career high 41 points from Porzingis. Uh, the they beat the Minnesota Timberwolves in Washington, and that was one forty two to one twenty seven. Uh, huge game and a very consequential game for uh Minnesota in this one. Um, you look at the uh game charts here. Yeah, Washington just led big throughout. You know, Minnesota kind of brought it a little bit closer at times, but it really was a a Washington uh, affair. I, I I don't know how else to really say it. Um, for Minnesota, the big storyline here, and we'll mention it with our news, uh, Towns left early with uh, apparent injury, and that's going to affect the team going forward. Uh, it's not as serious as it could have been, but it will definitely impact them for the next uh, few weeks. And again, we'll have some more specifics when we get to our news. Uh, in the meantime, Anthony Edwards led the way for them. 29 points, eight boards. Uh, solid numbers, although his percentages from three were not that great. Uh, Gobert, 19.7 boards. Jalen Noel off the bench with 23 points. Uh, nice scoring off the bench for him. Uh, but for Washington, they had their their sort of big three, if you will. You know, Porzingis, of course, and Bradley Beal, and then Kuzma, I guess, your third guy there. Uh, they all had 22 or more each. Kuzma was 23, Porzingis was 41, Beal with 22. Uh, that's a career high or season high, probably. No, career high, 41 for Porzingis. Wow. Uh, yeah, great game for him. Kuzma nearly had a, a triple double, eight boards, nine assists. Great stuff from him. Uh, yeah, Washington just rolling at home with the throwbacks. The uh, Gilbert Arenas throwbacks, you know, as much as the, the end of his career uh, or his run in Washington was a little bit non-ideal, you know. He was still an exciting player there. And it, as much as I don't think those are great uniforms, there is a certain charm to them, so it's fun to see those throwbacks. But regardless, uh, good win for Washington in that one. Uh, next, Boston Celtics defend home court, uh, put on offensive clinic. Uh, some of these headlines I'm just reading from NBA's, you know, summary of this game. Uh, Cruz passed Hornets, so they won that game against the Charlotte Hornets in Boston, 140 to 105. So pretty big win for them as well. And they led big throughout. Not much of a contest in this game uh, for Charlotte. Yeah, they are still without Hayward. Uh, Terry Rozier did not play in this game as well. Uh, so they started Theo Maladon at point guard, uh, Ubre the other guard, Jalen McDaniel's getting a start, 
McDaniels actually led the way for them in scoring 24 points, uh, 22 for Oubre. Uh, but Boston, again, it seems like every night we're saying this, it was Jason Tatum's, you know, he led the way 35 points, excuse me, 35 points for them. Um, also, I had 15 assists from Marcus Smart with his 22 points, 21 for Brogdon off the bench. And, uh, I mean, Boston's just a little bit better of a team. Tatum, easily the best player in this game, uh, this, you know, game between the Hornets and the Celtics, certainly. But he's also in the conversation for an MVP-type season. Um, you know, just a big win for them. Uh, good job defending home court. Next, uh, another team that defended home court in that Atlantic division, uh, the Brooklyn Nets win 109 to 102 against the visiting Orlando Magic. Durant pours in 45 points to lift Nets over Magic. Uh, game charts, Orlando got off to a good start, but then Brooklyn uh, kind of took things over in the second quarter and were able to hold a lead throughout most of that to win the game. For Orlando, Bull Bull is still doing great things in that starting lineup for them. Very impressive, 24 points. Uh, only six boards, but one steal, two blocks. He's been very dynamic, and he was three of six from three-point range. Uh, ben Carroll gets to start at center. He's now back in their lineup. That's great to see for them. He had 24 points. He continues kind of where he left off before his uh, his injury. Uh, Franz Wagner, 21 points of his own, and 19 for Gary Harris. Meanwhile, for Brooklyn, as mentioned earlier, Durant laid the way, 45 points for them. Seven boards, five assists, two steals, two blocks. Great game, although his turnovers and fouls were a little high. But, you know, plus plus 11 in this game. So great job for Durant, of course, leading the charge. Ten boards for Royce O'Neal, 13 for Nick Claxton. Good job of those two, along with Durant, uh, getting a lot of boards, you know, winning the, the battle of the glass for them. Kyrie adds 20 points of his own. 17 for Joe Harris off the bench. Uh, Brooklyn able to come out on top against uh, a struggling Magic team. Next, let's see, what is that? That's four, so we're almost halfway through these games. Uh, Toronto Raptors, another Atlantic home court victory, uh, Atlantic division. Toronto Raptors win against the Cleveland Cavaliers in Toronto, 188 in uh, Pascal Siakam's return to the lineup. So great thing for Toronto to see him back in the lineup. Um, Competitive through the first quarter and second quarter, Toronto got a good lead at half and then they expanded that lead in the second half uh, to win this one for Cleveland. uh, They were without Jarrett Allen. It looks in this game, Uh, Evan Mobley starting at center in place of that had a solid effort, 18 points, 15 boards, two blocks, you know, nice numbers. Donovan Mitchell, only eight points, probably a, a decent part of that loss. Uh, Garland, 18 points, 10 assists. So uh, not a lot of other scoring outside of uh, Mobley and Garland. Meanwhile, for Toronto, uh, 20 points from OG Ananobi. He lead, led the way for them. 18 points, 11 boards in Siakam's return. So nice return from injury there. Uh Scotty Barnes, 11, and Gary Trent Jr., 14, off the bench. And Toronto able to come out with a victory there, so good for them. Next, uh, 
the New Orleans Pelicans, finally a Western Conference team, home court uh, win. The New Orleans Pelicans win at home against the Oklahoma City Thunder, 105-101. to uh, Zion Williamson powers shorthanded Pelicans to win. Uh, we'll take a look at the box score here for, or actually first the game chart, see how the game went kind of flow-wise. Uh, OKC led big and uh, had a good lead in the first. New Orleans took the lead at the end of the first. Led throughout, Oklahoma made it pretty close at the end. Kind of had a scare, but uh, New Orleans able to win regardless. For Oklahoma City, uh, led again by Shea Gilders Alexander. He's got his thirty-one points. I think that's his season average still. Uh, Thirteen boards for the starting center, Robinson Earl, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Nice for them. Um, <clears throat> not a ton of great scoring help for SGA outside of uh, fourteen from. Uh, Lou Dort, who's the second highest scorer for the Thunder on that that game. Meanwhile, for New Orleans, uh, as it mentioned, shorthanded, they were without uh, Brandon Ingram uh, as well. As, well, let's see. I think that was probably the, the main one, as well as CJ McCollum. Uh, I think he's in uh, health and safety protocols, so they were without those two big scores for them. Uh, they were helped by Let's see. So Zion led the way, 23 points uh, as far as scoring, eight boards, eight assists, nearly a triple-double for him. Uh, Valanchunas, 10 boards. Trey Murphy, the third, 20 points. Uh, and then 12 from Herbert Jones, 15 from Alvarado, and 10 from Willie Hernan Gomez. They would get enough bench support there to to get that victory. Before we move on, we'll quickly mention, uh, this could have also been in our news segment, uh nba last two minute report from this game uh and this is on espn site andrew lopez uh earlier today last two minute report thunder should have had chance to tie a game uh nba's last two minute report on tuesday said oklahoma city thunder guard s uh shay gilders alexander should have gone to the line with 2.3 seconds remaining and a chance to tie the game instead of picking up a charge call against new orleans pelicans forward Herb Jones on Monday night. Uh, so that two-minute review is a, a good or a bad thing, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, but, um, you know, so close game at the end. You have a, a bad call. Whether or not that's, you know, sealed a victory for New Orleans or was, you know, simply one of, several factors i guess you know it can go kind of either way without having seen the full game myself it's hard to say but tough situation uh in the end new orleans uh still has that victory so you know you hope the oklahoma city is able to kind of figure out a way to play past that um so that was that game we have four more games left to uh talk about from last night's slate of games firstly uh the Denver Nuggets win at home against the Houston Rockets, 129 to 113. Uh, Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray combined for 63 points in that game. Uh, we'll talk a little more about that in a second. Uh, close through the first half, Denver takes a big lead in the second and holds on through the fourth to a substantial lead. For Houston, uh, led by Shangoon, 18 points, 17 for Jalen Green. Uh, Three other guys in double figures. Meanwhile, for Denver. <laughs> excuse me. Meanwhile, for Denver, 
again, 63 combined from Jokic and Murray. Nikola Jokic, 32 points, 12 boards, 8 assists. Pretty typical Jokic stat line. Murray, 31. Again, he's still working his way back from that injury that took him out for a year, year and a half. Great to see him have a game like that. Uh, along with those guys, uh, 10 boards from DeAndre Jordan off the bench. 15 points for Zeke Naji. Hopefully I'm saying his last name right. He's been on the roster uh, a year or so. Um, and yeah, Denver gets to win there, so good for them. Next, this is the game that I actually watched, of course, being a Jazz fan. Jazz fan. Voice crack. Uh, yeah, Bulls used strong second half to rally past Jazz. This was in Utah. Uh, on the road, the Bulls win 114-107. to Um uh, I'll look game charts, but I, I know how the game went. Yeah, Utah had a great first half. Uh, Markinen was off to a really hot start. He set a new career high for points uh, in a half. Um, but they just had kind of a slumping second half. And I think that, you know, I just kind of realized this the other day. I know they've been without Conley with uh, some type of, an, type of an injury. And they've had Sexton starting in place of him. And I, I think that Sexton long-term, you kind of work him in and – and that change happens where maybe Conley gets flipped to uh, – he gets bought out or you flip, you flip him to uh, maybe more of a contending-type team where Conley's starting to get that point. He's a seasoned veteran who's – he's still effective, though. I mean, I think he's top five, maybe top ten in the league in assists per game average. So maybe it is another year or two before you consider that type of move. Uh, but I think Sexton has to also kind of get that chance to work into that starting lineup. Uh, of course, as he gets more comfortable, this also being a, a season for him, similar to Murray, where he's coming back from uh, missing the previous season, pretty much most of last season uh, with that injury. So, you know, but there's just was just been some growing pains and it also seems like maybe it could be a combination of things either utah getting lazy in this particular game with the the passes and the offense in that second half or teams kind of figuring out their scheme a little bit better uh there were several times especially that fourth quarter chicago just read them like a book on the defensive end picked off you know passing lanes went out on the fast break, got some some baskets, and it just made, you know, Utah tried to push a, a few different points, and then, you know, Chicago would just lock down defensively and, and kind of win the game that way. So so that was a story, really, for that game. Um, look at the box score for Utah. Again, Marketing led the way, 32 points. I think he had 20, 23, 24 in the first half. Uh, so he had a strong game. Olenek ended up being the second leading scorer, 23 points. He had some nice moments in that second half. Uh, 17 for Sexton. Uh, not a ton of scoring help outside of those guys. Meanwhile, for Chicago, they were led by DeMar DeRozan in this one, 26 points. 20 from Zach Levine. Uh, both those guys did a pretty good job getting to the free throw line, uh, much to the chagrin of Big T, Thurl Bailey, on the color commentary. Uh, Kobe White, 15 points off the bench. Drummond, 10 points, 10 boards off the bench as well. Uh, and Chicago just a little bit stronger in that victory. Uh, two more games. We have the Phoenix Suns getting a win on the road in Sacramento against Kings, uh, 122-117. to uh, Devin Booker had a strong scoring game here. Looking at the lead tracker, the game chart here, um, 
back and forth with substantial leads for both teams in that first half. Phoenix took a big lead in the third. Sacramento brought it back halfway through the fourth. Uh, but then Phoenix took a big lead again and uh, controlled through those last few minutes to win the game. For Sacramento, uh, they had six guys in double figures, including Malik Monk scoring 30 off the bench. Uh, None of their starters scored more than 18. Uh, That was Kevin Herter with 18. Sabonis, 17 points, 10 10 assists, and nine boards. Nearly a triple-double for him. Uh, Darren Fox, only 11. Uh, and four of the five starters were uh, minus in their plus minus uh, in the box score. Meanwhile, for Phoenix, another strong game from Aiden, 17 points, 12 boards. Uh, Craig and Bridges were also in double figures, 15 for Damian Lee off the bench, but of course Booker was the, the leading charge here, leading the charge here, 44 points, eight boards, four assists, and six steals. That's pretty impressive, especially for a guy who – hasn't really been recognized very much uh, justifiably or non-justifiably for his defense. Uh, so big win for, for Phoenix there, keeping up their momentum, especially still, excuse me, still missing Chris Paul with that, uh, I want to say it was a leg injury of some type. Uh, again, I don't think we've really been updated on a timetable for what that return might look like. Um, but, you know, they're, they're figuring out without him, Cameron Payne, had a hot start in relief of Chris Paul. He's not been as solid, but he's still making it work. Booker's, you know, kind of carrying a little more on his shoulders, but they're, you know, staying strong. Uh, and I think they're probably your best team in the West at the current moment. Finally, if you knew anything about any of these games, uh, just casually, it's this game. It's the Indiana Pacers stunning the Los Angeles Lakers in Los Angeles. 116 to 115. They come back at the very end and have a dramatic buzzer beater victory from Andrew Nempard. Again, I've seen his name for the last year, maybe two years. He's been a guy that's kind of on two way contracts. If actually we look at uh, our current rosters, I think he might be a two way guy for Indiana at the moment. Uh, no, not two-way. Sorry. He he is just on their normal contract, uh, nor- normal roster. He's not a two-way contract. Uh, but I think he had been a two-way guy uh, maybe last year or the year before. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the game in general. Game charts, uh, back and forth through the first half. L.A. took a big lead at the end of the you know, third quarter, end of the third quarter especially throughout much of the fourth and then Indiana stormed back in the last two minutes uh, to steal the victory with that buzzer beater from Nemhard. All right. Uh, box score for Los Angeles. They were, you know, they had most of their lineup in a sense. I mean, they were without Patrick Beverly for that uh, suspension. He's serving uh, no Damian Jones, no Matt Ryan. Otherwise, you know, they had, they had Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Westbrook, uh, and those three all scored 21 or more each. Anthony Davis led the way, 25 points, 13 boards, six assists, and four blocks. He's had a very strong year, you know, and I know that Lakers are struggling still, but I like what Anthony Davis has been doing. I like that he's more engaged and he's seems like he's focused on staying on the floor. Um, as weird as that sounds, you know, sometimes you think of injuries as, 
you know, they happen and you can't really do much about it. But I think there maybe is something to be said for kind of that attitude of, of wanting to be out there and being engaged. And that kind of helps you play through maybe some of those smaller things that maybe otherwise shouldn't take you out of the game. Uh, 10 rebounds for Troy Brown Jr. as well. Uh, nice rebounding effort for him. LeBron, 21 points, seven boards, three assists. Uh, again, Westbrook, 24 off the bench. Nice scoring off the bench for them. I like. I also like what he's been doing as kind of a sixth man for this team. Uh, and I know I have my gripes with Westbrook, but I think that's a good role for him at this stage in his career. And I think that is... I, you know, that can help contribute to a recipe for success potentially for Los Angeles. Um, but of course, the Pacers ended up winning this game. Looking at the scores for them, they had six guys in double figures. Uh, they had 13 boards, 15 points from Miles Turner with three blocks, 24 points, 14 assists from Halliburton, along with seven boards. He's been, uh, I think he's still, he's got to be currently the league leader in assists per game. He's been a very solid point guard for them. And Indiana now looks like they have some serious traction in that Eastern Conference. Certainly could be a play-in team, maybe even just a regular playoff team, six seed or higher, depending on how they continue the season and what happens with the rest of this lineup. Uh, Buddy Hill adds 15 points of his own. Uh, Aaron Neesmith, 16 points. And uh, Mathur and 23 points off the bench as well. He's kind of, you know, a unique rookie sixth man of the year type candidate. Rookie of the year, sixth man of the year, you could kind of go in both. And then Nemhard, the the big man, the the not the big man, but the 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 man in town, the the hero in Indiana today. Uh, 12 points for him, but of course the big one being that game winner. Uh, and I did catch the replay of this. I didn't catch it live um but it, it's a pretty crazy play they passed it miles turner for a wide open three he misses it and they come up with a board of like a tip back to halberton something along those lines halberton drives right you think he's maybe going to pull a shot and there was an interview afterwards where he said he thought about shooting it first looked at healed in the corner and then looked back saw that lebron had sagged a little bit into the paint uh, threw it over to Demhard, and he had maybe about a second to put that shot up, put it up real quick, quick release, looked great. And I think he, he might have even swished that shot, but his his excitement was awesome to see, and that was a stunning winner. Um, with the amount of time left, you know, the NBA has their uh, thing they've done the last several years where every kind of buzzer-beating, game-winning shot, they'll rate it on the, uh, the Ori scale, of course, Robert Ori. Uh, big shot Rob or big shot Bob, the famed uh, clutch shooter in some you know important playoff games and finals types games. Um, it it kind of reminded me of that shot. These one of his most famous ones uh, against the Kings. They you know Samaki Walker, I think it is. You know tips it back out uh, or Shaq or somebody, and he catches it and is wide open for a three. Just you know laces it. It, it was that kind of you know that amount of time, the quick release that there was shades of Robert Ori in that play. Um, and again, you know, talking about Nemhard specifically, again, I think he was a two way guy. Uh, if not a couple years ago, maybe last year. Uh, and to see him hit, hit, hit a game winner like that is in a pretty big game, you know, I think that's great to see fun for Indiana. I like what's going on with them right now. Uh, and they come out to victory. 
Uh, quick note, yeah, another ESPN article here meant, uh, kind of summarizing uh, some post-game comments from Lakers coach Darvin Ham. Uh, headline reads, Darvin Ham, Lakers blown 17-point lead falls on me. So, yeah, they had a big lead in this game. Uh, let's see. That falls on me, Ham said, of LA's lack of organization on offense down the stretch when the Lakers shot 8 for 22, uh, 36% in the final frame. That falls on me. I'll take responsibility for that. Um, so, yeah, tough night for L.A. And, you know, they could have even still won this game. Of course, y- you have a buzzer beater at the end. Uh, tough to see. But, you know, I still think the Lakers are in a better spot now than they were even just a couple of weeks ago. You know, I think they're starting to kind of figure things out and get more in that rhythm of Westbrook coming off the bench. But, you know, you're going to still have some losses. And the way they respond after a loss like this is going to be huge as far as what the next month or two looks like for them. If they can, you know, win two of their next three or four, you know, they can still be in a decent-ish position, you know. But that's I think that's going to be huge as far as how they respond uh, to this game. Real quick, let me go ahead and double-check uh, – our news, make sure we're not missing anything as far as uh, our our news stories from the last day or so. Let's go ahead and talk about that real quick. Um, <clears throat> firstly, our key, uh, first item from our key news, Ben Simmons left uh, that Brooklyn game versus Orlando uh, in the first half with knee soreness, and he will be out tomorrow night, Wednesday night, uh, I think they're playing the Wizards, maybe. Uh, he'll be out Wednesday night. Uh, so, you know, hopefully he's able to return from that injury soon. Uh, you know, it could be a big impact for Brooklyn if he's not in there. Uh, but of more, even more weight and consequence, Carl Anthony Towns will be out several weeks. Uh, I think ESPN reports say four to six weeks with a right calf strain. Uh, that was suffered again uh, Monday night against the Wizards. Huge loss for Minnesota, especially as they're just maybe starting to kind of figure out how they'll how that Towns Gobert dynamic works, how, you know what the best fit is with that roster. So that's going to be that's going to make things really tough for Minnesota as far as trying to be in that play in playoff type chase. Uh, but we wish him the best, of course, in his uh, recovery from that injury. We wish Minnesota well as far as trying to get that figured out. Um, ESPN headline, uh, Billy Donovan reportedly did receive an extension from the Chicago Bulls in the offseason, but it was just kind of barely announced by the Chicago PR uh, people. So exciting for them. I think he's done a solid job, and especially the last year or two with DeRozan, they've been you know, a team that has some some promise in that Eastern Conference, so that's, that's good to see. Um, one smaller note I just barely noticed, and I did see this, uh, there was a fan that did sink a half court shot. You know, we had those every so often. We had one last night at that Lakers game and he won $75,000. So congratulations to that fan. I did see the video, a pretty decent release. And he, I think he got a swish on that one. So, uh, so kudos to him. Uh, the NBA foundation receives a $1 million donation from uh, Google, specifically the Google pixel brand. Uh, of course, NBA Foundation, uh, I think that's a relatively new initiative, especially focused on uh, 
HBCU uh, programs, scholarships, things of that nature. Uh, so that's some cool news to see there. Uh, finally, we'll talk through a couple of transactional things. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks wave guard Facundo Campazzo so that they can sign Kemba Walker. Uh, we mentioned yesterday that was in the rumor mill, uh, but they did officially sign Kemba Walker to help out their bench depth. Uh, San Antonio Spurs wave uh, forward Jordan Hall to then sign uh, Elise Johnson. So uh, making some forward moves there, kind of their their deep bench stuff. And then the Knicks, New York Knicks, uh, wave Farron Hunt and sign Daquan Jeffries. Uh, I think those are two-way contracts that are kind of getting uh, swapped around there. So that takes care of all of our news, transactions, those types of things uh, from the past day. Finally, let's go ahead and, well, we do have our This Day in History at the end of the show, but our last main segment, we'll just kind of informally talk through what I'm thinking right now as far as awards, chases, what the picture looks like uh, for all the awards, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, Sixth Man of the Year, and Coach of the Year. Uh, and this was updated as of before yesterday's game, so I don't think there's anything too crazy in that last, you know, 10 games or so that would affect this too much. Um, looking at MVP, um, I think you could go a few ways with this. I think, as mentioned earlier, Tatum has got to be, I'd probably put Tatum top three candidates along with Luca. Luca's more your statistical pick as far as what he's done with scoring and the triple doubles and that sort of thing. So Luca, Tatum, and then I would probably throw Giannis in there, simply be similar to Tatum, but uh, he's a little bit more individual. And Milwaukee hasn't been – they've just been barely half-step behind Boston as far as records up to this point. Those would be, I think, your top three picks as far as front runners for an MVP conversation. Um, I'd like to see people put Steph Curry in that mix – I know he's probably not going to win another one just because of the voter fatigue and those things. And especially with how the team is not doing well, but I would, you know, put him as your number four, maybe Mitchell five, Donovan Mitchell five of the, the Cavaliers. That would be kind of my ranking. And then I think you'd put Tatum number one at the moment, either Tatum or Doncic. And again, it depends on, it kind of depends it seems like year to year we kind of rewrite what our what qualifies as an MVP, whether it's team success with good stats or individual really exciting stats. You know, you have um, kind of Giannis and the Bucks when they were that ultra hot start and they were the best team in the NBA through the whole season. And he was very good statistically, but not, you know, other otherworldly you have that kind of an mvp pick versus like a russell westbrook the first season that he averaged a triple double and it was the first time that had happened since oscar robertson even though the team was like a five or six seed in the west you know the stats superseded their team record at that point so it kind of goes back and forth you probably have to throw devin booker in that conversation as well being the number one team in the west He'd probably be – he might be your five and then Mitchell your six, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, but I think you probably have, at this point, Tatum one, Doncic two, Giannis three. 
and then, you know, Curry, maybe Devin Booker, then maybe Mitchell. I think that's kind of your MVP conversation right now. Um, we still have six guys averaging 30 points or more. Mitchell, Tatum, Giannis, SGA, Curry, and Doncic. I don't think all those guys will finish averaging 30 or more. Um, but I think most of those guys can. So it could be interesting. But uh, that's kind of what MVP is looking like. Defensive player of the year. I don't think he's going to get picked, but I think it should be up to this point, Anthony Davis, you know, two, just about two blocks, 2.2 blocks per game, 1.6 steals and about 13 boards. And I know that the team is not winning as much as maybe you'd expect or you'd hope, but individually he's been tremendous. I, at the very least he should be, you know, all defend, all defensive, <clears throat> excuse me, at this point in the season. Um, I think probably your more likely pick at this stage is probably OG Ananobi, the league leader in steals right now, 2.4 steals per game, along with uh, about a block per game, 0.9 blocks. And he has solid rebounding numbers for his position, 6.3 rebounds per game. I think he's kind of what probably more people would pick as far as a defensive player of the year. You got to throw Giannis in that type of conversation too. Uh, and Evita Zubats, I think you could talk about him too, especially with what he's able to do, you know, the last few games. Uh, 11 and a half boards for him, about two-ish blocks, 1.9 blocks. Um, he's a little more traditional center, grabs your boards, blocks your shots, type of a defensive player of the year candidate. But I think, you know, that's kind of how it shakes out right now. But I'd like to see AD get a little bit more love in that type of conversation. Rookie of the year, even though Bancaro's missed time, now that he's back and it seems like he's picking up kind of where he left off, he's got to be your front runner. You know, averaging just about 23 points per game and seven-ish boards. I mean, this class so far, this rookie class, hasn't had a ton of competition for that. The main competition would either be Matherin off the bench for Indiana with that about 19 points a game. Or Jaden Ivey, who's starting to get it figured out in Detroit. 16 points, five boards, four assists. Like, that's solid, you know, especially for a guy who had a kind of a struggling start uh, in some some games, certainly. Behind them, you have Jabari Smith Jr. and Keegan Murray. Neither of them is averaging more than 12 points a game. So it's really a three-horse race here, and it's really Bancaro out in front by a big way as far as rookie of the year. But again, things can change. It's still kind of early in the season or about a quarter of the way through. So, uh, you know, things can change, but we'll have to see on that. Most improved, I think this would probably be a pretty easy pick at this point. Shigel just Alexander. You know, he's a guy that you could kind of throw in a couple of these conversations, maybe an MVP. That'd probably be a stretch. Certainly all-star type conversation. Uh, maybe even defense player of the year. He's put up some good defensive numbers. Um, but I would say he's got to be your front runner for most improved player at this point. Uh, maybe even have Donovan Mitchell number two, as far as his efficiency and his higher volume scoring, that's been huge for, for them. Darren Fox, his numbers aren't too much crazier than what they have been in the past, but the difference would be kind of leading to more winning basketball. A couple more names you can throw in there. Desmond Bain, maybe Anthony Simons, um, Simons would maybe be a stronger con uh, candidate than Bain or even Fox, but 
Those are some names to consider. Again, I think SGA is out on top in that uh, kind of early returns on that race. And then six man of the year. This one's interesting. There's a number of possible kind of interesting candidates for this. Uh, Matherin, again, the rookie in Indiana, he's leading the league in bench scoring at the moment. Um, I think Westbrook would be a very unique candidate because he's got some high scoring off the bench, but he's also got the boards and the assists and some steals too. You know, he's, he's a more dynamic uh, six man type of player than maybe we're used to seeing with this award. Usually it's just kind of bench scoring or that's a big emphasis. So that could be a unique candidate. Uh, Christian Wood, solid. I think he's second in the league in points off the bench. 17 with uh, seven boards. You have Jordan Poole as well, 16 points. Uh, and Bobby Portis, 13 points, 10 boards. I think all of those guys would be pretty solid candidates at this point. Maybe Matherin and Westbrook kind of leading that charge. Wood pretty close behind. behind. Um, but those are kind of – that. I think that takes us through all of them, you know. All the award chases kind of at this stage, the names to look out for, names that have kind of set themselves apart from the rest of the crowd at this stage of the season. But again, this is something we'll kind of keep up to date on as the season goes. New names that end in the conversation, names that maybe fall out of the conversation. Um, let's real quick mention our Coach of the Year candidates, and I'll need to kind of pull up my standings here to uh, talk through this, but... Coach of the Year candidate number one, Joe Mazzula. And it's so interesting because you have, you know, Yudoka led the team last year to the finals and it was his first year as head coach. And then they have the whole offseason debacle with him and Mazzula is an, an interim coach or now he's the full-time coach, or at least for this season. You know, such a bizarre situation in Boston. But they're just picking up right where they left off and he's, you know, guiding the ship. They're maybe even a little bit more efficient than they were last year. Certainly offensively, they've been off to a great start. They lead the league as far as, you know, overall record. I mean, you have to put him as your kind of number one candidate, I would think. Um, you throw probably J.B. Bickerstaff, number two, just because of, you know, Cleveland off to a great start. A little bit of some roster shakeup. He's built that team over the last few years as far as maybe a culture or, you know, kind of a system that works well in Cleveland. Um, they haven't been doing as hot as they were before, but they're still third in the East. They're still pretty solid. So I think he'd be number kind of your number two at this current moment. Uh, number three, it could probably be a Mike Brown, maybe even Rick Carlisle at this point with how, you know, Indiana's kept what they're, they've going, uh, what they have going. They've kept it going. Um, probably Rick Carlisle, or a harder pick because he's won it once, maybe twice before. Uh, I believe he has at least. And Mike Brown, he might have won it as well that one year in Cleveland. But uh, the Beam team in Sacramento, sixth in the West right now, you know, for them to, if they can make the playoffs this year, that would be a, such a huge thing for the Sacramento fan base. And for that franchise, it'd be a huge weight off their back, you know, so, anyways, I think those are some names to consider. Maybe even Michael Malone of uh, Denver. Um, maybe a name you throw in there. But otherwise, um, yeah, I think those are kind of your co coach of the year <clears throat> for honors at this moment. Missoula kind of leading the way there. Um, okay, so that takes us through our kind of award races at this time. Again, a little more informal. 
Uh, but we've got our news, our summaries, and our award chases. Uh, real quick, let's talk through our This Day in History closing fact. Um, this Day in History, November 29th of 1997, uh, after 24 seasons at U.S. Airways Arena in Landover, Maryland, the Washington Wizards played their final game there against the Chicago Bulls, an 88-83 to Chicago win. So they did lose their last game at U.S. Airways Arena. Uh, that timeline-wise, that matches up. That would have been the arena where they won the championship as the Washington Bullets in 1978. Very interesting. Um, <clears throat> the, of course, that season, that 1997-1998 season, was also the first season they went under the Wizards name instead of the Washington Bullets. Um, so definitely worth noting. Um, so that is... The fact for this day in history, uh, November 29th uh, in 1997. Okay, so that takes us through our show for today. Again, tomorrow we hope to have Justin back on the show. Uh, even if we don't, we, of course, still wish him well in uh, in his life at this moment. Uh, we'll, we'll talk through our game summaries. We only have a few games, so that won't take too long. Uh, there was three games tonight, uh, the key news, and then we'll get into the kind of meat and potatoes of it. League storylines. Um either the rumor mill or the playoff previews, maybe even both, um, depending on what we decide is pertinent, as well as our weekly kind of bold predictions. We haven't done that for a few weeks, but I, I'm excited to see what uh, we can come up with as far as a bold prediction at this point of the season. So uh, at this point, I uh, will go ahead and wrap things up. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow.